None of the content on this or any episode of the Kratom Science Podcast, Kratom Science Journal Club, or on any page of KratomScience.com is intended, nor should it be considered medical claims or medical advice. This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. This is Kratom News for November 2022. So I was like up all night waiting for the election results. The wife was actually down at the precinct. She was like judge of elections down there and um, Mm -hmm. working at the polls. And judge of elections just means you're in charge of the... You're in charge of the place. Of course, there weren't any Kratom referendums on any ballot. I tweeted out the other day, that's kind of an issue that's, you know, way to the periphery of uh, the popular mind. Still, despite our best efforts here on Kratom Science to educate people about it, that's why we ask you to share the podcast. And if you think there's any valuable information whatsoever, Uh, just so people can learn about this Kratom issue. Six states that had ballot initiatives, five of them were cannabis. Uh, That was Arkansas, Maryland, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota. And Colorado had a psychedelics decriminalization referendum called Prop 122. I'm looking at the live results from Marijuana Moment, probably my favorite website that is uh, really good journalism on any cannabis uh, issue. Kyle Yeager, he's Mm -hmm. like the main author there. And I always just like to give him a shout out um, because it's really good about the marijuana issue. So I relied on that and Ballotpedia to write um, my article for Kratom Science. And so, but we'll have a link to everything. So Maryland is the one that's nearest to us. And I have a lot of friends in Maryland. And I'm happy to say that they passed a, what seems like a good marijuana legalization amendment. It'll be for people who are 21 years and older. It'll take effect on July 1st of next year. We have a punk rock um, festival, the Savage Mountain Punk Festival we go to every year um, down there. And I have a lot of friends and a lot of bands that I'm friends with come from Pittsburgh and we all go down and have a big old pool party on the one day. And then there's bands for like three days. But I don't think, well, it'll be legal for everybody to have marijuana, and but I don't think it will be available yet because I think July 1st is probably when the um, growers can start growing it to sell. So we won't, be, we won't be able to go anywhere and buy gummies at the local dispensary yet. So the purchase and possession of up to one and a half ounces of cannabis f- would be legal for adults, uh, would remove criminal penalty penalties for possession of up to two and a half ounces. Uh, so maybe there would be a fine if you had above one and a half ounces. Adults 21 and older would be allowed to grow up to two plants for personal use and gift 
cannabis without remuneration. They spelled it wrong. Remuneration, I think it's the word. Past convictions for conduct made legal under the proposed law would be automatically expunged. And people currently serving time. This is from Marijuana Moment, by the way. Um for such offenses would be eligible for resentencing. Um, legislation makes it so people with convictions for possession with intent to distribute could petition the courts for expungement. So even people who probably have low-level uh, selling crimes could get expunged. So this is a really good, I think, bill all the way. Um, oh, yeah. The only opponents were... There was a Republican state senator, uh, Parent Action Network, which I believe just opposes all any legalization of anything. Uh, They just like the drug war, how it is. Um, This group, Smart Approaches to Marijuana, they opposed many of these ballot initiatives because they are for pro-medical marijuana only. Uh, They think that keeping it illegal will... Making it legal will lead to problem use, uh, which I don't really think will happen. I mean, there might be like a slight uptick and maybe maybe new users who uh, just aren't used to using it and might might get into trouble or whatever. But I don't know. For me and a lot most people, I think marijuana has always been self-limiting. Like if you have too much and you lost your car keys three days in a row, you're like, okay, I'm a little done smoking pot right now. But uh, anyway, the Maryland bill, that passed. That's really good. The other one that passed was Missouri. They You get a registration card for personal cultivation. So this is really good. So both states have personal cultivation. They allow it, which is a thing that the cannabis big industry has been lobbying against so that's a pretty detailed one that passed uh, this was a mixed um there's a republican state rep that supported this um kansas city mayor supported it and multiple organizations this group show me can of freedom opposed it it says this initiative eliminates nearly all competition through constitutionally protected license caps so a lot of the uh, opponents and a lot of these, which is important to point out, like in Arkansas, Arkansas Normal, which is one of the oldest national organization for their former marijuana laws. They're one of the oldest um, marijuana ag- advocacy groups. I remember signing their petitions in the 90s, and, and um, but I think they started in the 70s, really. But they opposed it because... They believe some of these bills, they have an initiative for 2024. Uh, the Arkansas one, it was opposed, so it didn't pass. They are trying to keep it from being a monopoly. Uh, I think in Arkansas, they don't have anything for felony expungement, for even possession or anything. So a lot of pro-marijuana groups oppose some of these. And then there was the one in Colorado with the psychedelics. There was a group in particular, which is a Native American group called um, uh, Native Coalition Against Prop 122. They say it stands to threaten, exploit, commercialize indigenous peoples and spiritual traditions and positions these natural medicines for extract extractivism, some of which are not indigenous to Colorado by those with limited understanding and 
and knowledge of the medicines and their applications. They also say the bill's authors are motivated by profiting from a newly created psychedelics industry. Native Americans in the Southwest have seen their peyote cacti, which are already rare, be poached by people who just wanted to trip on peyote, whereas it's part of their tradition. And the whole ritual starts with going out and finding it. The menace mm-hmm. man goes and finds it. There was a good documentary that me and uh, Dr. John covered on uh, one of the Journal Club episodes about it's it was a Michael Pollan uh, how to change your mind and there was a really good episode about um, Native Americans and peyote their and their rituals and they have been opposing some of these psychedelics legalizations because they're not adequately uh, protecting their spiritual traditions yeah, that that's definitely a major issue that will be faced. As you've said, this is a, a very big deal, y- using these things as, you know, t- aids for spiritual journeys and stuff. It's very important to them, not some, um, you know, teenager looking for fun, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Honestly, what it will end up boiling down to, even if they do extract, you know, stuff that could be use, used in um, psychiatric environments, because it can help psychedelics overall can help with stuff like that. Peyote in particular, yeah, because it is so rare at this point, that's definitely one they need to completely stay away from. Mm-hmm. The- and there is a common cactus that's legal to grow, the San Pedro cactus. Um, you see it uh, if you're in the Southwest or Southern California, you see it in people's yards. And that has mescaline in it. If people want it, they can get it from that. But but this should be all incorporated in the legislation. And as well, they're like trading psychedelic futures on Wall Street. So this is coming because there's big money behind it. Uh, the Native Americans definitely should be listened to because they they have they've had thousands of years of use of healing. Mm-hmm using psychedelics for healing not it's only in the past like since the 1960s that people started using it for i mean it's healing in a way accidentally but it was mostly kind of a party drug and that's how i've used it many times but it's always been like accidentally healing oh i'm gonna have fun and be silly with my friends but oh wow this really like made me change my mind and think about Mm -hmm. stuff and and made me be a even like eat better and and it does really change it but even I think even the psychologists and stuff that are starting this practice should really, really study the Native traditions and and really try to communicate with Native Americans. And you you could not only craft better policy, you could craft a better psychology of how to actually mm-hmm. heal people by taking these traditions. And you don't have to copy the traditions. You do it in a way that's but but you should yeah. learn, learn from them. Definitely. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we should have been doing from the beginning when we landed here uh learn from the people who live here and and have used these plants that grow here totally understand um why they would oppose that however i think it is i don't know if it passed yet they might be still counting the Mm -hmm. votes but i think it looks like it is going to pass but i think a lot of these initiatives they have not yet crafted the law so it's just like the people say yes or no and then from there then from there you go and craft the law um 
So it's there's seventy four percent in with Colorado. Mm-hmm. This is we're recording this Wednesday and it's going up tomorrow. Uh, so this might this information information might change, but I'll put the link. And I'm looking at uh, marijuana moment live uh, marijuana election results, and it's uh, fifty one to to about forty nine percent with seventy four percent of the votes counted in Colorado for the psychedelics measure. So we'll see where that goes and and. Um, you know, hopefully they, they can craft the law with all these interests in mind and not just to yeah. uh, to make people money, uh, which is, you know, a big issue with uh, all of our how all of our legal system works. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, in general, it seems like Colorado specifically is doing better with that type of stuff. Yeah. Just overall. So I'm hopeful that they will at least try someone you know it will at least push them to be respectful to the native american culture and stuff like that yeah north dakota south dakota there wasn't really much there they they were opposed they failed the public also opposed them there so i don't think they're quite ready for legalization in those states and those are like small states there's not a lot of population in there and they should they should just do what their people want and then they'll probably be ushered into a federal depending on <laughs> depending on how the senate and congress ends up they'll be ushered in uh to a federal legalization that's the thing look so there's a lot there are republicans that support a lot of these uh but just as a statement of fact libertarians almost all always support legalization and mostly democrats are um supporting uh, some mm-hmm. of these, but I mean, with the kratom laws, you could say it's across the board, really, mainly because the AKA are are guys from the Republican Party, so they can and and mainly Democrats are have a proclivity to have reform drug laws. So in the kratom world, it's about probably about fifty fifty. Which politicians? I actually had a Republican guy from Oklahoma as a guest, and I'm going to be having a uh, county councilwoman. Um, from Allegheny County here, who's a Democrat. And so the next one's the big lawsuit in Georgia. This was covered by the Associated Associated Press and carried in major newspapers like the Miami Herald. And I did an article about it called Lawsuit Slams Kratom Industry. Antihistamine combined with Kratom extract may have caused death. The parents of a man who died after ingesting Kratom extract are suing multiple Kratom companies and the American Kratom Association. In a 45-page complaint, Dana and John Pope allege their 23-year-old son, Ethan, died after purchasing and ingesting, quote, one or more bottles of OPMS extract from two stores in two Georgia towns. The complaint alleges Ethan Pope was killed by Kratom alone, though he had prescription drugs in his system. Quote, Ethan's body was clean of all illegal drugs and alcohol and only contained hydroxyzine and antihistamine, cytolopram, I think that's how you pronounce that, and antidepressant, and of course, the mitragynine, or kratom, that killed him. They based this information on a report from the Floyd County coroner that listed mitragynine intoxication as cause of death, as well as an investigation by law enforcement officials, the Georgia State Bureau of Investigations. In Georgia, a coroner is an elected official who is required to take an annual training course with the Georgia Coroner's Training Council. Yeah, so he purchased bottles of OPMS extract. OPMS is a very heavy extract, and I don't like talking about Kratom companies too much, but this is all from this lawsuit, so that's who's being sued. They're also Mm -hmm. suing, like, 
the distributor or or the manuf the importer whoever imported this um they're suing the two companies that own the two places where where he bought the uh, extracts they're suing the American Creative Association and and we'll get um to that later um he went to one store. There wasn't enough of these extracts for him, so presumably he bought all the ones in the one store, went to the Chevron gas station. Um, these are two different Georgia towns, and he bought more at the Chevron. The quote was, it was clean of all legal drugs, but it says only hydroxazine, citalopram, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And then it says the kratom that killed him. And and the whole reason I pointed out of the coroner elections, I mean, and this this was pointed out in Dr. Carl Hart's book um, called Drug Use for Grownups. Uh, that's where I got the information. He has an he has a um, appendix in the back that talks about how coroners are elected. Sometimes. There's a medical examiner that has a degree in toxicology, which should be true for every one of these positions. Uh, Mm -hmm. This particular coroner in Floyd County, Georgia, has been a fire battalion chief for, like, I think 30 or 40 years. So he has a lot of experience probably with deceased people. And I'm not saying he doesn't have experience. You only have to take one course per year. That's a lot different than having a toxicology degree or yeah. even like an associate's degree. Nothing against the guy personally, but it's it's a problem with everywhere. So my tragedy and intoxication, we don't know how that happens. So we know like with fentanyl and heroin and stuff like that, the, the way you die is that you get respiratory depression. You stop breathing mm-hmm. and you and you basically suffocate. I, it just seems horrible. That's how people die from heroin overdoses and fentanyl overdoses. Of all like the mouse studies and stuff that we looked at, they have given a mouse like probably uh, the equivalent of a gallon of that extract stuff. Uh, there was one in 1972. The mouse, the mouse, not only not died. They said he showed no ill effects whatsoever. So we don't know if my tragedy can kill you. Um, too, too much of anything can kill you. That's the one thing yeah. that everybody has to realize. Uh, there's such thing as water intoxication, where your mm-hmm. where your brain essentially drowns if you drink like chug a bunch of gallons of water in a short period of time. And you know, water is like seventy percent of our bodies, and that could still kill you. There's like a toxicology maxim: the dose makes the poison. It's like a paraphrase from Paracelsus, I think, is the guy. Uh, he's like an ancient uh, alchemist, Greek guy, you know, if you took a toxicology 101 course, that would probably be your first class. You would learn that quote Mm -hmm. because everything can be poisonous. So to say that Kratom can't kill anybody is incorrect, but so can uh, green tomatoes. If you ate too many of them, Mm -hmm. it's called tomatine that can cause a toxic reaction, but you'd have to buy like a whole two boxes of them from the store and eat all of them and nobody's going to do that. Yeah, eat all of them in a short period of time. Yeah, and, and in this case especially, he had antihistamines. I guess um, if we just read the next part because this is this is why I think it was a drug-drug it was a kratom and drug interaction with the antihistamines. Along with many other common prescription drugs, hydroxyzine binds to CYP3A4 enzymes in the metabolic process. If ingested with other substances that bind with the same enzymes, the metabolism of hydroxyzine slows, which increases its concentration in the blood and can therefore cause a toxic adverse event. 
Grapefruit juice is an example of a substance that can cause adverse events if taken with hydroxyzine and other drugs. Alkaloids and kratom have been shown to bind CYP3A4 enzymes. A CDC study published in October 22, as pointed out in a recent episode of the Everything Kratom podcast, highlighted the major role antihistamines played in opioid overdose deaths in 2019 and 2020. According to the study, quote, among 92,033 overdose deaths during 2019 to 2020, 13,574, which is 14.7%, were antihistamine positive, and 3,345, which is 3.6%, were antihistamine involved, including hydroxyzine. And antihistamines were also listed in the CDC study as the sole cause of death in 90 of the overdose cases. Yeah, so uh, I'll link to that episode of the Everything Kratom podcast. And Jamie, who I've had on here, he's he's he does a really good po- podcast. His format is... He'll just have a thought about something, make a 10, 15 minute podcast and put a couple out a week, which is a good format that's different from ours. He pointed out, yeah, these antihistamines, 90 deaths, just antihistamines caused. And I've heard from um, people who used to be addicted to opioids that if you were running out of your supply and you take some Benadryl, it'll make it last longer. That's what this CYP3A4 enzyme thing is. There are a lot of a lot of prescription medicines that occupy this enzyme. And, and that's why I want to just tell people to be very, very careful when you're mm-hmm. taking any kind of prescription. I take something for my cholesterol that I can't take grapefruit juice with. And I, and I looked it up and it's like one glass of grapefruit juice. It's either a whole grapefruit or a glass of will block. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like traffic. It's kind of like going into a traffic tunnel. If you have like too many cars in there from the grapefruit juice and the, um, in my case, it would be grapefruit juice and, and, uh, the statin I take to lower my cholesterol, the concentration in, in the blood will make it. So I took 20 pills instead of one pill with with just grapefruit juice because that's how it metabolizes. Mm -hmm. So that is basically how kratom and antihistamines and grapefruit juice all work. They all occupy some of the CYP3A4 enzymes. And there's many different uh, subcategories. I think there's like CYP2D6 or something. That's not the exact one. So don't rely on me for that but just if you're on prescription drugs any prescription drugs uh, go look it up and see if they occupy the CYP3A4 enzymes even if they don't like metformin I take metformin because I'm like mildly diabetic keeps my sugar in check Uh, if I take that too close to kratom I get a little sick because it takes sugar out of my body and I think kratom is actually yeah, I've been reading a couple studies where that actually lowers sugar on its own too. So it's it's kind of like putting my body way too. So, so I, there's been a couple times where I've had kratom like right after my uh, metformin pill. As long as I space it out within a couple hours, it's fine. But it's it's I've gotten uh, nauseated and sick. Doesn't put me in danger of uh, dying, but it's just like one of those things. So people should you got to be really responsible. And I notice a lot of these guys that are dying with when they take tons of kratom and and they almost always have something something else in their system. They're young guys who, when I was their age, I was somebody would hand me a pill at a party and I would take it and say, "What is what was that?" But I was an idiot basically. And and some of these. Guys 
guys are just irresponsible and they have to I, I just feel like it's our responsibility to tell people as much as we can that that there are risks and you should be safe but if you keep your dose low and do as much research as you can this is used safely by millions of people so it's not deadly poison on its own i really firmly believe that i think all the deaths that had just kratom there's either another explanation or i mean there was one death where the guy ate a bunch of powder uh he got sedated he fell asleep passed out and then he choked on the powder because he had so much in his system and we should say that it's not the same as grapefruit juice kratom because it can cause physical dependency or dependency like coffee where you have to have some every day to feel normal that's not necessarily a bad thing it, it could could be just like a coffee habit and it could also be uh, you know if you're prone to addiction it can lead to that and it, it looks like this guy ethan was addicted to kratom because they did find a note that said uh, stop taking Kratom as one of his on his to-do list. Um, so it is a special thing with Kratom where people want to take more and more of it. Whereas with grapefruit juice, <laughs> nobody wants to drink more than one glass of that. I mean, you know. But uh, yeah, I feel like the fact that he was on an antidepressant too, you know, that shows he wasn't exactly mentally stable. So the fact that he had yeah. something like he's probably taking it way more than he really needed to. Uh, mixing it with these other things that he just shouldn't be mixing it with to begin with. Jamie on uh, Everything Kratom podcast host Jamie also pointed out that he was looking at um, some Kratom toxicology reports where they kept going over and over uh, with these blood samples of people who died and it was ruled my tragedy only. And they had to sometimes a couple times test the blood before they almost always find some, found something else. And in a couple of the cases, he showed that they found that antidepressant drug. And there was a lot of comments on his um, podcast that said, oh, yeah, that stuff is heavy. I was on that stuff before. That's really heavy. Uh, I couldn't take it with anything else, or it would cause a reaction. Oh, this, this kind that he's on? Or yeah, he was this on Sital- a- Citalopram. Yeah. I don't know. I only knew about, you know, the antihistamine. And I really didn't. I, I kind of heard that before with opioids, and I didn't really think about it with Kratom before this case. Despite the probability that Ethan Pope died as a result of a toxic interaction of Kratom and prescription drugs and not mitragyny alone, as the complaint alleges, the complaint also suggests that companies failed to adequately, adequately inform customers of the potential of such interactions. Quote, part of that Kratom industry playbook is to blame customers for their own deaths, claiming that they actually died from Kratom interacting with another substance in the decedent's body. Interactions they failed to adequately warn about, reads the complaint. Though OPMS has a disclaimer on its website stating, do not use this product in combination with any medications, the complaint alleges that the defendants violated Georgia's existing KCPA by failing to comply with labeling standards laid out in the law. Now, here's where I partially agree with the lawsuit. So Georgia has a Kratom Consumer Protection Act, and and it even says... On here, you're supposed to put the name and mailing address of the manufacturer, clear and adequate directions for the consumption and safe and effective use, and you should have 
um, precautionary statements. They have all that on their website, this company, but it was not, they allege it was not on the product. They could have easily complied with that law mm-hmm. with a couple of hundred dollars of investment to put that on their products. And this is kind of what frustrate, frustrates me. I don't know why the Kratom industry isn't protecting itself by just doing yeah. this in every state, no matter if there's a law or not. I, I think most of the websites, most of the major ones, has it on their on their website, this disclaimer, but it should be on the products and there should be dosage recommendations and mm-hmm. all Definitely these warnings that. and just say and on the disclaimers, they all say just don't use it with prescription drugs, which just just about covers it, even though you probably can with some, can't with others. It's just this kind of failure of the industry to just regulate itself. And, and I mean, this law wasn't enforced because I don't think there's any money for enforcement there. So, so in Oregon, they actually allocated... Uh, $2 million a year or something f- specifically for Kratom enforcement. Kratom sold there has to be imported into the state and packaged uh, by a processor, and then it goes to the retailers. Uh, they have to inspect the processor. They, they're subject to regular inspections, I don't know, once, twice a year or something like that. Um, they have to have a, they have to have a, a good manufacturing practices facility. Mm-hmm. When they pass these laws in states like Oklahoma, Georgia, uh, where they don't like spending tax dollars on a lot of things, and, and it's more likely to pass if no tax dollars are going to be spent, well, it's just like a toothless law. The state doesn't enforce it, and the company is so cheap that they won't spend a couple hundred bucks to put a put a label on the on the package. Yeah. Okay, and then there's this other part about it where they're actually suing this lawsuit. They sue everybody. So this other part about it where they're suing the AKA, and this is a quote uh, from the lawsuit of knowingly and recklessly running a sham standards program to cloak Kratom manufacturers in a false appearance of legitimacy. And this is in reference to the AKA's Good Manufacturing Practices Program, and OPMS is at the top of that list. If you listen to our podcast episodes with uh, Stacey Lloyd and Jennifer Bruce that I did... um, I think they were back in the springtime. They will tell you that, you know, it's it's a program where the companies have to hire their own auditor and then they the auditor gives them a, a, a GMP approval and then they give the AKA money to be in the program. These Yeah, um, there's a lot of steps too. I feel like that's something important to mention. But yeah. there's a lot of steps that you have to go through in order to get certified. Well, the 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 issue is that Jennifer Bruce and uh, Stacy Lloyd brought up was they don't have like an in-house GMP compliance yeah. person. So these companies they'll they'll go through this once and and maybe once a year, which is good, but they're not like kind of thoroughly checked, I don't think as well. Yeah. Um, but the Kratom Vendors Association is a organization that is run by good manufacturing practices compliance experts. Stacy Lloyd is is the one, and they actually you, you become a member and they actually help you become a compliant. But there's a lot of there's a big investment for every company. Going to cut like some of the companies would have to build a, a separate facility or the Kratom Vendors Association actually helps the company help them go through the steps and they help them become GMP compliant. If you listen to those episodes, they will articulate better than I can the 
why there needs to be a little bit stronger of a of a GMP program, which I think the Kratom Vendors Association offers. I think most companies in the AK's GMP are are pretty solid. You know, I mean, this company at the top of the list would not even this lawsuit alleges that they didn't uh, have these labels, proper labels on the product. And and now they're going to have to probably spend millions in a settlement. Uh, this is one of the bigger companies. They might be able to afford to take the hit, but I, I don't understand why they would even take that risk if the losses is, is true. It, it might yeah. not be. In- and the only thing I really feel like it needs to be said is the fact that like it just seems like they're believing anything they might be told, you know, is if they did any research on this at all, they would know that. It could not have been just the Kratom that caused his death. Yeah, and and I wish they would realize this because we have to warn people based on real information of the real risks, not that Kratom's going to kill you because people are going to take a little bit of Kratom and say, well, well that barely affected me. It's not going to kill me. I can take as much as I want. Well, that's not true if you're taking mm-hmm. other things. So we have to get the real information out of there rather than this drug scare crap. Like yeah, that's so you know this re- scraping the surface. Yeah, the whole reefer madness I think led to a lot of people mm-hmm. assuming that cocaine heroin was just like weed because they were lying about the weed. So I I, I really don't like the deli- although this family you know I can't blame them at all. Like I can't blame them at all. They, yeah. They're not going to become uh, substance uh, experts on the alkaloids <laughs> right away. They're not going to care. It doesn't feel good to be right against somebody who lost a loved one and even if they're wrong but you know what i want to go to this story of this other guy it was um transylvania north carolina i think it's transylvania county uh that's Mm -hmm. that that's definitely out in the mountains this guy his son vaped kratom which i have not seen or maybe not even heard tell of a kratom vape but i assume they exist he was on Suboxone, this kid, um, and this is from the Transylvania Times. Uh, I think it's Transylvania County, North Carolina. Uh, it's not where Dracula's from. Father recalls tragedy, highlights vaping dangers. This is from November 5th. His son was addicted, and uh, he vaped Kratom, uh, and he had Suboxone in his system, which also would is kind of strange to me because I haven't really studied this case uh, very closely, but Suboxone is, uh, contains bup- buprenorphine, is a classical opioid, which if you have enough of it, uh, but it's also a partial opioid agonist like Kratom where it, it's really, really hard to uh, get respiratory depression from it. And that's why they use it in treatment now. But but a lot of people say uh, Suboxone is pretty bad. So he could have taken a lot of the Suboxone and, and along with the Kratom and that and that may have caused it. But the main thing is, is um, and, and you pointed out in the notes, is how this guy, his father seems to have a better understanding of addiction in general. And um, and it seems like his, his son had a long-term opioid addiction. And he died, uh, his name is Todd, and he died um, December 11th, 2019. He was only 34. It, just the quotes from this guy, it's really uh, kind of heart-wrenching because he, he really understands what addiction is he said when he saw his son dead it was the first time he looked like he was at peace 
That's that's like so sad and tragic. And as we always say, the opposite of addiction is connection. He really understands the psychology of addiction, which is caused by trauma. But he definitely said um, he's just trying to help people, you know, maybe to prevent it from happening to others. He doesn't like he didn't mean any ill will. He's he not attacking the the companies or anything. He's not attacking anyone really. The other family is very hostile. This father, I, I didn't get any hostility from that at all. I, I can't like be like, oh, you know, that was bad to do because they're just, they're angry because of this thing that they don't yeah. know about, you know, a contributor to their son's death. But I just know that outlawing Kratom is going to hurt millions of people. It's mm -hmm. really going to hurt millions of people that are going to turn to... I mean, for one thing, the people already using it will turn to, you know, street drugs or they'll buy it on mm -hmm. the street. It'll be laced with fentanyl. They'll be like, well, I can take 10 pills of Kratom and that's my dose. Well, what if there's fentanyl in it? Well, they'll, it'll, it's, mm -hmm. it's going to kill them. Criminalizing people doesn't help anybody's drug problems. It never has. It's never been about protecting people. I just hope some these families realize that they're just going to hurt more people. But guys like this. Okay, so let's let's see this guy's name. Um, Todd Clary is the guy that died. His father, Mike. Mm -hmm. The way he responds to it, he's like, yeah, this stuff mixed with Suboxone, uh, you know, I think it's dangerous. You don't know what's in the vapes. Vaping Kratom, I have no idea what it does. There's nothing in the science about that. Um, so I wouldn't recommend vaping or smoking Kratom at all. I, I mm -hmm. Drink it as a tea. I mean, I, I wouldn't even recommend the extracts unless you're really, really experienced. It, yeah, it would be like, it would be like, you know, never having a drink before and then going out and doing like 20 shots of whiskey. Yeah, I'll just say just down an entire bottle or something. Guy Mike, he, he seemed to be really understanding of how addiction worked it looked like it, when he found out his son was addicted he he really studied about it he's saying every quote is like scientifically accurate as well as heartfelt and uh mm -hmm. yeah i mean it, it just too, breaks too. my heart with, with 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 these folks that that go through this stuff it it's terrible but but uh, but i'm i'm glad the guy's doing the doing what I think he can too, and and uh, that's what we want to do is we want to warn people against the, these risks. I mean, so watch out with the antihistamines and the prescription drugs in general. Just mm -hmm. not even the scientists know exactly which prescription drugs it interacts with and everything. We're I try to be read all the science that comes out on kratom, and and try to report it in a simple way. Just to, there is traditional use. Nobody's ever died from it traditionally that we know of, but. There weren't heavy high dose prescription drugs traditionally in in Thailand and and uh, Vietnam and all the places where they they traditionally use kratom. We just have to be careful. It's just new. It's mm -hmm. it's a new thing, and I've been focused on that this year. Is just trying to, and I might piss uh, advocates off in the kratom world, but I don't know. I just want to keep people safe, and hopefully, we can do that. Yeah, it's very it's very good to remain as a good word for this would be impartial. Like do not show one or the other side. Just like, yeah. you know, as wide as possible. Just so they get um or the listeners get as pure of information as possible to be able to make the best decisions for themselves. Yeah. And I hope some people out there appreciate that. And and we totally are in favor of legal Kratom. Outlaw Kratom would 
even if it was as dangerous as some of these folks think it is, which it isn't, uh, outlying it is the fact that it has risks in my mind with what I know about how drug laws and drug prohibition affects people, something that has risks, it's an argument for keeping it legal, keeping it out Mm -hmm. there and keeping it pure. I mean, if people could have opium poppy tea instead of uh, fentanyl, if that was legal, then they might just have their opium poppy tea and it's not as dangerous as as fentanyl even though enough of it could kill you it's gonna harm people to outlock or aid them it really is yeah i mean we have seen like i'm trying to think of what countries exactly but some european countries have legalized all drugs just portugal. in general and, yeah yeah oh yeah portugal is one of them and the rates dropped drastically after that mm-hmm. all because yeah. you know it, things are better because Just in general, yeah, it's out in the open, and, and they're fr- and mm-hmm. people can raise their hand and say, "Hey, I got a drug problem." Before you see them passed out on the street in front of a methadone mm-hmm. clinic, before they get to that point. So in Oregon, they just decriminalize all drugs. So so that's still developing, and we're still seeing what yeah. what goes on with that. That's why, like you know, going back to the first thing we talked about, I think we're getting the right direction. But I think there should be debate on how these things are decriminalized. I talked to Morgan Godvin on here, and she's like a really good journalist that's up on the the drugs issue in in Oregon. Oregon. Um, and she said, yeah, I don't, I want legal heroin, but I don't want, uh, some of these, uh, companies like advertising on billboards like Budweiser. I'm like, even <laughs> alcohol, I don't see an advertisement and say, Hmm, I want to drink like they're, they don't, we don't need to have advertisements for anything, even alcohol, cigarettes, anything. And she like prescription drugs. Yeah. That, that, those get me. I, those just are completely unnecessary. Yeah, your doctor should tell, advertise. I mean, well, they do, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> and advertise. I, I don't even yeah. like using that word for medication in general. Like mm-hmm. it suggests it as to be as a product for purchase, not something that's supposed to help you through whatever you know you're experiencing. And so related to that, uh, just real quick, this other study, um, ATAI, A T A I Life Sciences. They announced they are working on a mitragynine-based drug. They put a deuterium molecule in it, which makes it patentable. You can't. You used to be able to patent alkaloids. A couple of kratom alkaloids were patented, like in the 60s, but you can't do that anymore because it's the natural form of the plant. It's against the law. In two cases, there's another company that added this molecule that I think we talked about last time to 7-hydroxy, um, but this company, uh, it, it's called Cures Inc., and they are a subsidiary of the Thai Life Sciences. But they added this deuterium molecule to mitragynine. It hasn't been published yet. So these are press releases from the company. So they're definitely, uh, they would be sort of biased to uh, advertise the positive. However, it seems really positive. Eventually, they're going to publish, I think, all the science. I don't really know exactly how the patent works. I think if they're granted the patent, then they can hold it. Then they can publish all the science. So mm-hmm. It's kind of like what we were just talking about. It's kind of like on a marketplace. So it's it, it's going to be called Cure 101, K-U-R 101, oral formulation, and they call it 
deuterated my tragedine. They add a deuterium molecule. So what their new clinical trials showed is that and they're doing human clinical trials and it showed very low what they call abuse potential. So it's kind of like you're getting pain relief. However, it's not showing addiction like, uh, say, like oxycodone or Vicodin or something would, which really is a measure of physical dependence because abuse kind of suggests addiction. And for me, addiction is a psychological disorder as a result of it's a response to trauma. There's a debate about everything that causes addiction, but I don't think it's caused by drugs necessarily. But it's looking like mitragynine, you'd be less likely to get dependent or addicted on this particular drug. And I should say a lot of people worry that uh, they're going to outlaw Kratom because this company might develop a drug out of Kratom and profit from it, which it's a a legitimate concern. But Mm -hmm. 25% of new drugs are developed from plants. Uh, There's a drug from foxgloves. We're still allowed to grow foxgloves in our yard. So I I think as long as um, people advocate for Kratom staying available, then it's it doesn't automatically mean that since there's a drug, it's going to be outlawed. Just pay attention to all this politics that might make it go one way or the other. But uh, yeah, and you mentioned about like uh, if it affects like the lawsuit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think they could look at any and all the science and because and, there's a lot of studies showing mitragynine. Mitragynine shows low abuse potential well, with pain relief. That's why it's such an amazing thing they've been looking for decades for a pain relief drug that doesn't cause uh, uh severe dependency the louisiana thing yeah we cover that next time but there's a louisiana parish that outlawed kratom so the other parish kept it so uh, people wouldn't be able to be arrested they just banned the sale this uh, parish rapides criminalized it and i have an article about it uh, that I'll link if you guys want to read about that. It was just, to, you know, the, a local county council just decided to ban stuff. Uh, and the, and the, main, the main interesting thing is the police, just like in, they did in Mississippi, are lobbying so these laws can get passed and they can arrest people. I, I don't know how that should be illegal. There are laws in different states about state employees uh campaigning like I couldn't go out I worked for the state of North Carolina I couldn't go out on the UNC campus and hand out pamphlets while I was on the clock so I, I just don't understand how these police can go around and and convince these uh parishes and counties that hey we want to arrest these people for uh Kratom I, th- I think it's just like an injustice seems that's what a lot of people do when here's learn some about learn about something new instead of trying to you know, learn and see actually the potential. Um, they just look, no, this is bad, and then stick to that. Makes their job easier, I guess, if you, mm-hmm. you frame it in terms of good or bad instead of complex. And I, I really wish these people would th- think about it and care yeah. for the people that voted them into office because, I don't know, just put a little, little more time into laws mm-hmm. before you pass it. I mean, that goes for every elected official everywhere. All right, thanks, Kaylee. That was Kratom News. We do that once a month. This is going up on November 11th, so happy Veterans Day. The music is risey. The song is called Memories of Thailand. The Kratom Science Podcast is written and produced by me, 
Brian Gallagher for KratomScience.com. Take care.